The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So another victory for Frank Lampard. We begun the day talking about the special way of managing he's brought to this club. First half wasn't what he would want, mm. but they got the job done in the end. Six wins, second in the league, Kyle. It, it is quite remarkable, but I, I think we have to stop being surprised in that, as a manager, he showed in, in the lower division what he, what he wants, and with some of these players, showed what he can get out of them. I think Mason Mount, as an example of someone that pressed all game long, gave them energy, helped them climb back into the game and be a little bit more clinical and sharp in the second half. Um, I, again, will say we went over before the season, and, and he said, I'm not going to try to repeat the Chelsea of old. And the Chelsea of recent old was a, a very obdurate and obvious team that played the exact formation every single game. He's not afraid to change things around formation-wise. Today they played without Jorginho and didn't really suffer in the second half, obviously because of that. Their ball uh, recovery, which is something he wanted to focus on, has been excellent. It, it's a project where he, where he committed to what he wanted to do, which means he would be held accountable if he didn't or not. And this team's absolutely flying. Robbie, pinpoint for us exactly what he did at halftime and into the second half to make sure he won that game. Well, I, I think there was a little bit quicker football, but nothing else changed tactically. I think the patience is there, the belief is there, the players. The, I'm, I, I'm sure the message must have been, the goal will come. Keep playing the football. A little bit quicker, I think it was. I think the first goal, the football was a little bit quicker. But there's a belief there, you know, and, and, and Kovacic in midfield, I know you're a big fan of him. I mean, he looks so confident, Rebecca, dribbling, passing, getting involved on the ball. And Golokanto is his partner in this particular game. Every, everybody at the moment, it seems, is doing their part. Um, and even it was nil-nil at half-time, I'm sure the fans still believe they could go ahead and, and get the goals. And, you know, Christian Pulisic, we'll see the, the goals again in a minute. You know, there's, there's a, a sense of his play that he wants to get forward, that he wants to score goals, that he wants to get those all-important numbers, because they are important now. Modern wide forwards have to get goals and assists, and he's doing it. Tammy, that's six Premier League wins in succession. Hard work, though, today. It was. It wasn't our best game today. Um, you know, you could see that. But the most important thing was we got the three points. Um, at halftime, the manager said, we need to stay focused, the chances will come. And um, we came out in the second half much better and we got the two goals. But you needed that breakthrough, didn't you? Because you were just knocking on the door and you, this frustration was building. It, it was. You know, um, Crystal Palace are a good side. They defend well as a team. And in the first half, they frustrated our style of play. Um, second half, we believed and um, we came out. You know, we didn't change our style of play. We just... Wanted to go and attack in football and we got the two goals. Christian, that second goal, your goal, that eased the pressure again because Palace were opening up and then attacking you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just got in the box and luckily the ball kind of just bounced right to me. And uh, yeah, now that helped us a lot. Uh, but I think we deserved it in the end. We, uh, you know, we had a lot of chances. You know, we should have scored it. But uh, yeah, it was a good result in the end. So it's a young and, and vibrant side, but you showed a lot of maturity again today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first half, you know, didn't thought that we were dominating. 
we just couldn't get the goal and eventually, you know, Tammy got that one and then, uh, yeah, in the end, it was a good result. Tammy, you're not a superstitious chap, are you? Because this number nine Chelsea shirt's got a bit of a history. The Crespos, the Marattas, the Higuains, and uh, even our own Chris Sutton, he'll love me reminding you of that. They all struggle with it. You're making it look a bit easier. You just joined Jamie Vardy at the top of the Premier League scoring charts. You know, the number nines who've, who've obviously been at Chelsea have obviously been world-class strikers, you know, um, it was, a, it was a big, big task for me to take on, but I was ready, I felt ready in myself as well, and, um, you know, I'm wearing it. I'm so proud to be the number nine for Chelsea. It's going well. It's going well. And you're up to second place in the Premier League right now, Christian. That's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. Yeah, that's a, you know, <laughs> we want to be right up there at the top, so we're just going to keep going. Bit of a rainy tunnel, that one. Um, <laughs> Robbie, I'm going to ask you about Christian Pulisic, because yeah. he wasn't prolific at Dortmund, but five goals in three games. He's looking like he's got into his groove. Is it a team that's much more set up for him to do well in? I think it's a manager that's asking him to make runs in behind. I think it was a conversation we had pre-season, Carl, that you talked about, that he did talk about his wide players he needed to get in behind. And that was going to be a big thing of his, uh, of his manager. Very good without the ball, pressing, but also he wanted his players to get in behind and try and score goals. We're seeing it from Pulisic right now. It's great because that's what you need as a wide player to get those numbers. And you're right, Dortmund saw him many times. You know, nice and intricate and got some numbers. But this, I mean, this is better than one every two games, which is fantastic. If you can keep that up, then that's a big, big success. You agree? Yeah, and I think um, th this is, in a way, and, and Tim Howard and I were talking about it at the Fan Fest, maybe the best thing that happened to Christian was the Chelsea career didn't start the way he wanted it to, that, that it was a bit frustrating. And in, in a small window, the spotlight was off him, and Frank Lampard did such a good job of kind of saying, this isn't because we don't like them, because we don't expect big things from them, but with all these players, it's just going to be competition for spaces. That's the best thing you can have as a player, is you can't be mediocre during the week and get into the starting 11. You have to be great. At the end of that game, Robbie Musto, my first instinct is to say statement win from Leicester, but statement wins from Leicester are, are becoming quite common yeah. this season. I think, I think we felt Leicester were famous going into the game. Um, and as the game opened up in the second half, Leicester City, thank you very much, because that's what they needed. We talked about Arsenal, gave them a little bit of credit in the first half, nice and compact, stopped Leicester playing through. But when, Leicester, when Arsenal started to play, then they looked vulnerable. Arsenal got plenty of talent, not enough heart. They haven't got the energy, the attitude that Leicester City have got. They can't attack without being vulnerable, and they can't defend and be creative. It's a, balance, it's a balance problem they've had all season long. Get the team fitter uh, would help. So players can do a little bit of both. They can run forward and they can help defensively. I think we've picked out a couple of examples where players don't track their runners for certain situations in the, in the game. So it's the same old problems and different uh, uh, system, different players today. But again, once they get away from that, that structure, they kind of fall apart. You've just mentioned getting them fitter, tracking their runners getting a balance of a team. These are all fundamentals in management, are they not? What's Unai Emery doing or not doing? Well, obviously, he still hasn't figured out how to get the best out of the side, and he's still trying the Mesut Ozil experiment. It's not working. They spent um, not a lot of money, but money on, a, on an aging centre-back that seems to not really work in a system. Uh, they don't know who their defensive midfield pair is. He rarely plays Lacazette and Aubameyang at the same time. It's, it's still a project, and we're way past the point where it should be a project. They've thrown a ton of money at this, and look at Leicester. I mean, juxtapose to, to what's going on with Arsenal. Here's Leicester that were a counter-attack team that didn't possess the ball when they won the title. 
never outpossessed a team. They were kind of dull, even if consistent under Puel. Now they're free-flowing, attacking-minded. They've got championship players out there that were some of the best players on the field more than Arsenal. It's quite shocking. Today was a stark example of how far Arsenal are from getting past the Arsene Wenger era. Very quickly, two-horse title race or three-horse title race? I mean, I didn't say Leicester was in the title race last time they won it, so I, I'm not going to make that mistake again. They had the right there. Yep, of course, got to be. James, congratulations. An amazing win. Three points, a goal for you. It was a fiercely contested match, and you really had to be patient, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. That was a proper Premier League game. I get with two, two quality sides. And obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Arsenal in, the, in recent weeks and stuff, but we knew they, were, they have threats. They have big threats, with, uh, especially their front players. So it was a game that we could definitely not take lightly, but thought they were excellent today to a man, and that's what, how we've been all season, so I think we sent a real statement out today, yeah. You had an early chance as well, didn't you, with that free kick that skimmed yep. over? How close do you think that was? Do you know what I thought it was in, to be honest? Yeah. You know, when some people ask you, they say, uh, did you know it was in when you score? And you're like, yeah, yeah, and I thought that was one of them, but it was a few centimetres away or whatever, but um, I managed to stick one in near the end. So and it was that. sensational. Talk me through that. Great pass from Vardy as well. Yeah, Vardy, you know, he's such an... For someone who scores so many goals, he's actually a really unselfish player. You get, obviously, strikers... Um, Top strikers who score lows because they shoot all the time, but Vard realised I was in a better position and it was just about staying concentrated and getting a good strike, and thankfully it went flying in you. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't 9 0, but these wins are so important and that patience as well because it looked so even, didn't it, early on? Yeah, definitely. It was an even game and one I thought we dominated for, for large fouls, to be honest, but 9 0, 2 0, 1 0, you only get three points, so um, we'll keep going, yeah. You're second in the table right now, and of course, Manchester City play Liverpool tomorrow. Are you title contenders? You feel that way? <laughs> let's, um, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. They're two top teams, um, and I'll be watching that on my sofa. So um, we'll see how that goes. But we'll just keep plugging away and um, getting the good results. Yeah. Don't worry, James Madison. We're getting excited for you. Both uh, Carl and Robbie here in the <laughs> studio saying it is a three-horse race for the title. Uh, Graham and Arlo, over to you. Well, I suppose in results, and you look at the table, and maybe <laughs> it is. I mean, we're going to see two very good teams go at it tomorrow mm. at Anfield, aren't we? James Madison, Leicester City, um, how do you sum them up and how impressed are you? Well, I think he sums Leicester up, really, because he's so creative. He's He's got that sort of that ability to make something happen. It's like a cheekiness. You're always looking to cause problems to the opponent, get into good positions, unlock something. He does it with his passing, his dribbling, his set pieces. But he works really hard for the team. And to sort of pick up on Robbie Musto's point at the end of the game, that balance that Leicester have, the ability to defend and not look like they can't create, mm. and the ability to fly forwards in numbers, be creative and not look vulnerable at the back. And that's, that's shown in the 29 goals that they've scored and the eight that they've um, conceded. They're really solid. That then plays into can they be a, a top three team and uh, you know, or be a title contender? And if they can keep that balance throughout the season and keep that security and creativity, then, you know, who knows? I just don't think they're as, they're as strong a squad and a, can maintain that mm. throughout the season like Liverpool and City can. But Champions League is a very big Absolutely possibility. Conversely, where does this leave Arsenal? Well, I mean, it, 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 it's poor, isn't it? I mean, they, they haven't really improved, I don't think, as a team. Lack of identity as well. They're not... You just can't see where the where that sort of structure is in the team that you go, right, that's the reliable bit. What can we plug into that to make us a really successful team? At the moment, it's, it's, it's all too random for me mm. to see them sort of really evolving at the moment. We're on the motorway north, Rebecca, to the northwest. Anfield tomorrow, pitch side desk, Liverpool, Man City. What more could we wish for? We'll talk to you then. 
it's not good enough for Spurs fans. What has to change? Gosh, it's really difficult, this one. I mean, they're in a mess. They can't win. They're 12th. Yeah, they can't win. Um, we've just talked about Arsenal and the struggles there. Spurs are exactly the same, if not a little worse. Uh, Ericsson out the side, doesn't come on. I mean, it's just something's got to change there. And maybe this, is a, this, is a, 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 this isn't the start of a bad run, even the last few weeks. This has gone on quite a few months now, Rebecca, where the squad is proven not to be good enough. There's got to be changes. Again, it's the same question that's, that, that I think I know the answer to. Has Pochettino got the stomach to rebuild and to go again and to make some changes in the transfer market over the next couple of well, the next few months for him to be the manager. And I'm not sure. I don't know what Pochettino's feeling, but right now the spirit around the team looks really bad. It's interesting because you talk about it hasn't been recently. It hasn't. Six wins now in their last 24 mm. Premier League games. So this is a problem dating back well into last season. Has he got the stomach? He's not showing it, it appears. Uh, I, I think he has the stomach. I don't think he has the time. I, I, I honestly think... There's an expiration date to almost every manager, even, even the greatest, even Pep Guardiola. And, and I just see a team that um, the players he got the best out of are all, all, except for Harry Kane at times, especially when he gets service, operating below their levels. I mean, this is worse than his first season that was a dip when he took over. I mean, they performed worse than the season they did before. It's just everything's been built up to a point where I, I just I don't see a Spurs team that has faith in the project anymore. You're up to second now. Nine clear of Arsenal, Spurs and Manchester United even further back. I suppose the only downside to that is it's getting harder and harder to keep a lid on this. It's very easy. It's very easy because it is only 12 games. We're not anywhere near the halfway point yet. We're going to have a go. <laughs> you will, I'm sure, every week. Absolutely. Which is fine. We, we get that. And I think it's, it's brilliant for the supporters. You know, when they look at the team, they're proud watching the team, they see the football, and so it's great. Obviously, media-wise, always gets carried away anyway. Uh, but for us, and, and myself as the leader of, of the uh, of the team, we just got to stay focused. Uh, lots of development left in this team. Uh, what I was pleased today was when we went to 2-0, how we managed the game and took the pace out of the game and was able to control elements with the ball and without the ball. So, so that's nice to see that development in the team. But, uh, but no, still very, very early. And with 10 games to go, if we're still in the same place, then we go, uh, you can probably uh, push me a bit more. Do you think things are getting better? Do you see progress? We need time and we need patience. We change a lot of players and uh, we have young players and we know we are in, in our way with uh, a, a, a very demand and uh, very ambitious in, in our target but also we, we know we need uh, time and we need also be patient and we are going to achieve with young players, with experienced players and we, we had a lot of circumstances they 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 didn't help us to off the field to, stuff. Do you they mean? didn't help us to achieve the the best the best performance, the best result. But uh, with the passions and, and, and being consistent, we are going to do. How much patience, though? Because you have been doing the job quite a long time now. Now the patience is in a match against Southampton. And do you think you'll get the patience from the board, from the supporters? But the most important is uh, be inside, be be calm, and, and be also. Ambitious, a bit demanding ourselves for to work, but uh, keep uh, moving, uh, stand up in in our mentality and also in our work. But you think the club is calm, do you? And it's behind you. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in the Athletic this morning, um, Amy Lawrence has written an article in which she says that. Um, 
the club are backing Unai Emery and that they have no appetite to make a decision on his future before the summer. Um, there are 100% is a quote from a senior source at the club behind him. With 26 games to be played, she says Arsenal's power brokers feel there's plenty of time to effectively turn things around. Robbie, I'll, I'll come to you. Should he be fired? Um, not yet, but it's close. I've lost faith in him. But I think, to Amy Lawrence's point and the board's point, I'm sure, and I've said this, we've said this conversation before, like he will be given every chance to turn it around. I've seen nothing recently that, that, that smacks of progression, improvement for a guy that's been there almost 18 months at the football club. And the press conferences are tough to listen to. I think Arsenal should have done a better job with, with bringing in a translator. So it's clear what he's trying to get across because we... We don't, we don't understand what he's saying. Sometimes the words he says, you think, really? And I, but I'm not sure that's what he means. Mm. That's, the, that's the ultimate for me. I, I, I think a lot of people are seeing Arsenal now and are super frustrated because it should be better given the players available. Can you see signs of improvement? Uh, no, the only signs of improvement are the quality of the players, but their lack of consistency worries me because they're not getting the best out of them. And, um, you know, being being a part of an ownership group of a club now, I've seen how hard it is to make these calls. And and you, you can't just do it knee-jerk. You have to have an exit strategy, knowing what you're going to go to next. And so an international break tends to be a time that you're almost pushed into doing something like this. And so it kind of, I agree, it's not getting better. They need to make a move, but it's, it's not just a move because you have to have a solution. And opportunity cost is everything. Look at what Brendan Rodgers is doing with Leicester. You know, you could miss out on a Brendan Rodgers or someone that can come in and have that impact if you don't do it at the right time. It's just during the season, typically the people making impact are not available. OK, we are in an international break. It's interesting to see what Graham Lasso thinks about the situation at Arsenal. Arlo, over to you, chaps. Yeah, we were there at the game yesterday, weren't we, Graham? Uh, technical director Edu was there, uh, head of football Raul Sanlehi was there as well. Uh, the athletic article that Rebecca was, was referring to suggests that they are not going to make a change because there were clear signs of improvement. Did you see any clear signs of improvement? Well, based on yesterday, no. Um, they played a back three. I think that's the first time they've played a back three since April. And when you see coaches changing formations in those circumstances, without necessarily any advance warning of that, you wonder, well, how are the, how the players going to interpret that? Are they going to interpret it as a positive move? Or are they going to think, well, we put three at the back because we, we're worried about our defensive unit? And they, sh they should be. The, the opportunity with that back three was to become more creative. But yesterday they weren't. They had uh, eight shots to Leicester's 19. And on target, one in 90 minutes. You had Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil on the pitch. And you think that between them they would be given the opportunity to, to get more than one shot on target in, in a 90-minute match. And I just worry that there's so many things that they have to undo there. There's baggage accumulating at Arsenal. They can't get rid of him now. They absolutely can't. I think it would be awful timing. Well, he has um, a contract that runs to the end of the season. It's important to remember that, and not beyond at this stage. But, but they've got a plan, like um, Kyle was saying about strategy and structure. They've got to have a plan... That, that deals with this short-term issue that they've got, and they've got to work out how to get rid of that baggage uh, over the course of the next six months. So either Emery 
or uh, whoever the incumbent is comes in with a cleaner slate. Um, on the opposite side of that, yeah. Leicester were joyful. The, the stadium was absolutely rocking. Mm. What are they capable of this season? Well, when you see the two goals, those goals were of the highest quality, the free-flowing football, the fact they went 2-0 up and still went and pushed for the next one. You know, they put nine past Southampton last week. At no point did they go, OK, we've won this game, let's think about the next game. I love the character in the team at the moment um, and the attitude of the manager and the style in which they're playing. It's a joy for everyone to watch. Indeed, they came within seconds, Rebecca, of getting a point here at Anfield were it not for that late James Milner penalty as well. So things going well for Leicester, not so much for Arsenal. Time now for this week's boot room and we are discussing the approaches from both Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola to Liverpool against Manchester City, which, of course, kicks off later at 11.30 Eastern. We're going to start over here because we will join Arlo and Graham shortly and they'll take a different approach to us. We're going to start by talking about the consequences of if Jurgen Klopp decides to go for it. So my question, Kyle, to you first of all is, is there really any excuse for Klopp and Liverpool not to go for this today? Not for me. Um, I think the cushion playing at Anfield... Being uh, the stronger team in terms of having everyone fit and, and using it not only as a way to uh, push Manchester City further from the title, obviously in, in a six-pointer, but, but, but jumpstart the second half of their season, that's going to be very difficult. They're coming into an a incredibly challenging fixture list, not, not necessarily in terms of, the, of who they're playing, but how often they're going to be playing. And I just think... It's going gonna, it's gonna to come with risk. I mean, anytime you want to go at, at, at Liverpool, and, and really anytime you want to go at Pep, whether it was at Barcelona or, or Bayern Munich, anyone, anyone has faced this conundrum. I, I just think it's inexcusable because they are the stronger team, and, and it's massive if they get six points in this game. They've or three go. points. But three yeah, points, but points it feels like six. Mm. They've got to go for it, haven't they? Quite simple. I'm not sure it's as simple as that. Um, like Kyle, I'd love to see that. I think that would be the best approach, but you've got to... I think there was a lot of respect for Manchester City and there will be a consequence if you go for it and it doesn't work out well for you and you do allow space for City to, to, to counter-attack you and score and come back into the title race. Three points behind. Psychologically, I think it'll be huge for City. So I don't think it's quite as straightforward as he's going to go for it. Can, can they respect them too much? Yeah, well, that, 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 that's what happened last year. But if they fixture. can't go for it today, as Kyle pointed out and illustrated earlier on, with all fit players they can under totally the lights. Go for it today, and for, but if they can't go for today, when can they go for it, I guess is my point. Yeah, I know it, yeah. obviously they come to the against, risk, but they've got our, everything yeah. going and City the way they are right now. Yeah, I, I guess when you're up against, when it's going to be a two-horse race in my opinion towards the end, that you, can you ever really go for it against that opponent given the six-point nature of the game? Now, I want to see them do it and I think they will see them go for it. You know, full flat, Flat-out pace, full-backs forward, one out and Henderson hurrying midfield, winning that battle, the lively throw three players. So that's what I think we will see. But in terms of percentages, I think we'll see that 75% chance of that, 25% of a bit more tentative, respectful, full-backs not getting forward, and just a little bit of a cagey tactical thing that, of course, we don't want to see. But you've got to respect it, it might happen. I, I, just, I, I think Anfield is almost a player they need in form down the stretch. And if they go to Anfield and, and against a weekend Manchester City, show, show any timidity, show any lack of belief that the, that the cop has right now, that they should go win the title, that they, can, that they can go at Manchester City, and they play conservative and lose, mm. it's just going to be so devastating to, to, that, to that Liverpool fans, that Liverpool group, that I think doubt will creep into their heads 
and it will affect Anfield down the stretch. And they've done that before. They did that last season yeah. when they played it safe. And maybe they need and to learn from Etihad, their mistakes. So it was at the Etihad, it slightly, yeah. but yes, still true, it was true. too timid at the Etihad yeah. last year. Yeah, good point. Okay, so that is the consequences, chaps, of, of going for it and Jurgen Klopp, heavy metal and all that comes with that. What about if Liverpool do decide to play it safe? Talk us through those consequences in detail. Well, it's interesting, Rebecca, and last season we were here, Graham, weren't we? It was nil-nil. Pep Guardiola set up quite conservatively, and Liverpool backed off a little bit when they perhaps had the chance to really go for the jugular. When it came into the game, they were level on points. It was early in the season than this, so the dynamic this season is different. If Liverpool were to set up more pragmatically today and conservatively, what would that look like? Well, just quickly, I think both Kyle and, and, and Robbie are saying the respect that each other has the coaches have for each other. So you could see why either option might work for them. And certainly from Liverpool's perspective, if they come out and, and respect Manchester City and think actually a point here, they'll, they'll, of course there'll be stages in the game where they'll try and win the game. But on balance, there's every chance they might say, let's just be a little bit cautious here, out of respect, out of the damage a good Manchester City creative team can do. And I think from Liverpool's point of view on the pitch, it looks like the fullbacks not pushing on quite so much, not, not charging forwards as we love to see them do. I think you see the, the strikers, the three up front, being a little bit more isolated, being asked to work a bit harder defensively rather than getting the ball in areas where they're just free-flowing, interchanging positions and causing havoc, as we've seen. And then even the midfield being slightly more constrained. Mm. So Henderson, uh, Milner, both of those players... You know what you're going to get from them. They're workmanlike players that have got fantastic qualities but, but can deliver the physical side of the game where you need to plug holes. So I wouldn't take it for granted that Liverpool are just going to come out and go, do you know what? This is our opportunity. City are weak. They're vulnerable. We're going to go for it. And we're going to go for it over and over again. I want to see it. Of course I do. But I think they'll respect them a little bit, might not press them quite as much and as high and as early as we see them do with other sides. And what does that look like from a Liverpool perspective in terms of personnel? What will we be able to gain and gauge from the starting eleven? do you think? Well, I think that's the beauty of, of Liverpool is that I don't necessarily think it will affect the personnel too much. Maybe Milner might come in um, into that midfield, Henderson... Uh, and Wijnaldum, You've, Fabinho's obviously nailed on to, to start um, because he's the, the metronome in that team. I think it's much more about the mentality of the team, what Jurgen Klopp is saying to them, the discipline, how disciplined are they going to be and how you've got to hold each player back because they're going to want to go for it. Well, that's it. As a player, <laughs> if you were a Liverpool player in that dressing room and you heard, guys, we're going to hold off and be happy with a point, would you be frustrated? Well, look, he won't say that but he'll detail the tactics. And some of those players, if, he's, if he does say, look, we've got to play with a bit more discipline and, and with the reins on a little bit, of course, creative players don't necessarily like that. But my goodness, the moment players start thinking their tactics are better than the manager's tactics, yeah. you're in massive trouble. That doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen with Jurgen no. Klopp. You can see the way the team play. So you play to, you play to the plan. So last year it was nil-nil. The season before, 4-3. All hell broke loose on this field <laughs> behind us. It was absolutely incredible. Say Pep thinks, you know what, we're six points behind. We've got to go for it. What does that look like from a City perspective? Well, clearly they're a, they're a weakened team at the moment. Defensively, you know, we talk about Claudio, uh, Claudio Bravo um, as well. Um, you know, it, City are at their best when they're moving the ball really quickly. The fluidity of the team, the movement of the team ahead of the ball, the options ahead of the, the person on the ball, and the way they move the ball from side to side and forwards and backwards. 
seamlessly and with speed. And that creates such uncertainty in the, po- in the opponent. And when you see them at their best city, the ball's moving so quickly, as are the players, that any opponent is arriving at the player he thinks he's going to take the ball from and the ball's already moved. It's mm. too late. And that just shifts everyone around. Um, the, the creative players, Bernardo and Sterling, they're two players that, if they can get isolated, get facing their defender, all hell can break loose. So what they've got to do is really work hard, if they're going to be very positive, work hard on those things that really identify them as this brilliant, brilliant team. And the more they can do that, the longer they, they can sustain that, players like Kevin De Bruyne mm. then start to get a bit of freedom. And if you give him a, a, a sort of a, a three-metre by three-metre square without anybody around him, his quality is so good. His first touch is head up and the execution of passes. He can open up anyone. So a positive City is playing through the different parts of the pitch from side to side, forward and back at speed, and 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 winning the ball back very very quickly when they lose it. In terms of the positive approach, how big a blow is it that Edison won't be in goal and Claudio Bravo will be in goal? Well, I think again at their best, City play high risk from the back. Edison was brought in specifically, you know, not just because he's a great goalkeeper, but specifically I think because he's exceptional with the ball at his feet. Claudio Bravo, with all the well and will in the world, isn't that guy. Um, um, the beauty of having Edison in goal with that quality means you've got an extra player on the pitch when you're in possession. Mm. And, and he can dictate those passes. He can play out from the back. He can, he can thread little passes through. He can hit a 60-metre ball. And I think that that draws teams onto you. And, and at home, Liverpool are going to, at some point, are going to have to press. And, and with Edison in goal, that really gives them an outlet. Uh, Sergio Aguero here, mm. 712 minutes, 10 games. Three shots on target and no goals. Is it an Aguero day for being positive or is it a Gabriel Jesus well, I, day? I think if we're going with the positive theme, I think it's an Aguero uh, game because he's an exceptional goal scorer. He is so high quality. His his ratios of scoring goals per chances is exceptional. But if it's a bit more of a you know workmanlike performance by City and wanting that Firmino-type performance out of a centre-forward for City, then I think Jesus offers that extra work rate. He's willing to work so hard for the team and contribute in that way yeah. without necessarily needing to score. But that's going to be one of those questions yeah. we're going to have to wait for. Can't wait. Great stuff, Graham. Uh, you've got to be fired up for this game now <laughs> if City come out of the traps and go for it. But what if, Rebecca, Pep Guardiola decides, like last season, I'm going to be a bit more conservative. I've had some pretty nasty experiences at Anfield. What do the boys think about that? Yeah, interesting, Arlo, because, of course, not just Pep Guardiola, but City don't like going to Anfield, haven't won there since 2003. So is it Pep's safest option to play a little safer today? Yeah, it is. The, the goalkeeper situation Graham talked about, we've seen the uncertainties at centre-back. You've got Fernandinho out of the midfield area, which is really important, particularly against Liverpool, to play in that area. Um, they can't be expansive because they're not secure enough back there. That's basically it. Team selection is going to tell us a lot. Otamendi could come into the side... Fernandinho could go into midfield. Ilka Gundogan could replace David Silva's injured. And Bernardo Silva could play as a forward. That is a... Even though there's a huge risk with the centre-backs, Stones and Otamende, you've got Fernandinho midfield. So that would be a stronger compact unit. Uh, but I'm not sure we'll see that. For me, if they're not compact against Liverpool, so a little bit more cautious and pragmatic then they risk getting turned over quite badly. And I'd be really surprised if Pep, from, from uh, minute one, tried to be expansive. Conservative, stronger, compact, makes mo- loads more sense for me. Can they win being conservative at Anfield? Uh, because really that's what they need to do to close this gap. Yeah, they can. Of course they can win. Uh, um, I think it'll be harder. I, I, I do. Um, 
I think the, the, the problem is if they play conservative, it means they're deeper. They're in a lower block. They're inviting pressure, which means when they pick up the ball, they're going to be inviting the, the, the best thing that a Jurgen Klopp team has done over the years, which is that gegenpress of losing the ball almost on purpose to win it back as a team's trying to build out and then being so close to the goal that you're going to punish them. The, the other problem is if it's a slow, methodical buildup, you then give Liverpool so much space to attack in. So I think being very physical, pressing, want, wanting to keep the game kind of forward, keep Liverpool guessing about schemes. I think we've seen Gabriel Jesus and Aguero as a strike partnership recently. I think Pep could come up with something that surprises us a little bit. I wonder, you know, I, I just... I just can't see him going conservative, and I agree with everything you said. He kind of needs to because mm. everything's predicated on a defensive unit that can play 1v1 and be good. I mean, Otamendi and Stones, I think it was Norwich the last time they started together. It was, it was a nightmare. I mean, playing those guys together is like, it, you know, uh, riding a, a unicycle on ice without a helmet. I mean, it's, it's really, <laughs> really dangerous to play with those guys. But I think he needs strength in the midfield. So whether or not he brings Fernandinho yeah. in there. I just think Liverpool were those three midfield players could overpower mm. whoever plays in there. Yeah. Bernardo Silva's going to play in there then. Uh, Gundogan's the holding player with Kevin De Bruyne, who's obviously quality. It's just, a, it's just something he's got to think about with his team selection, and that will tell us a lot going yeah. into the game. Robbie, I'll come to you first. Incredible game to watch. Mm. So much drama, so much intensity. <clears throat> what stands out to you most about that 90 minutes of football? I think Liverpool's mix of hard work, Organisation from the managers, some tactical subs later, and quality. The goals, the three goals had a lot of quality on all of them, from crosses to the strike from Fabinho at the start. And then, of course, it changes the game. Um, but just that will of Liverpool in that stadium to make sure they didn't give up the lead was, was a difference for me. For you, Kyle? Just the, the timing of putting together one of their best performances, not only of the season, but, but of... Jurgen Klopp's era. The, the Dortmund project, it was a project. It, it was about patience. It was about defensive stability. It was about learning about his Gegenpressen style. It was about youth players like Goetze that he brought in. It was about finding a player like Lewandowski. It, it was a long pr process behind an incredible wall of fans, the yellow wall there, that he curated an incredible experience. And, and it kind of feels like he's done that. And, and they came so close recently. And I just, at the end of the game, the, the, the cop, I, I, I honestly thought, thought it was shaking our studio. It was they were contesting every single throw in. Henderson was a mountain today and is better this season than he was last season. Fabinho, better this season than he was last season. Everything is inching towards a 30-year climb up a huge mountain in the zenith. The last steps are always going to be the hardest. And this was such a difficult game to win. Is this the season, Robbie? Yeah, I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's not done yet. There's plenty of games to go. You've got to respect Chelsea and Leicester. They're the teams that's eight mm -hmm. points behind right now. Um, but that's a lot of errors, mistakes, bad days that Liverpool are going to have to make for somebody to catch them. It's their title right now to lose with that gap, the way they're playing. Let's see if they can well, do it. Remember, Jose Mourinho, before the game, someone who knows how to go win a title, said whoever... Whoever wins this game, and he said, well, if, if Liverpool go to win this game, that's it. He said, that, at that point, it's just control. I don't know if they know control, no. but, man, they know how to win right now. And, yeah. and winning today and how they won, I think, was a massive statement. Massive win for Liverpool, 3-1 against Manchester City. Eight points clear of Leicester and Chelsea at the top, and we already have a special guest pitch signed with Arlo and Graham, Andrew Robertson. Arlo, over to you. 
Thanks, Rebecca. Well, we got down as quickly as we can, and Andrew Robertson got here before us. Absolutely Typical, extraordinary. Though, so quick. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what a performance today. What a result for your side. What's the mood that you've just left in the dressing room? Yeah, um, one of delight. Um, you know, going into an international break, you always want to win because, you know, you've got two weeks away from each other. So, you know, it'll be, it's, it's massive for us. And, you know, big confidence booster and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's only three points. And it's, it's but um, it's good always to beat your rivals. We didn't manage it last season. And I think that was probably the deciding factor in the Premier League last season. So it's good to always get three points against Man City. I was fascinated by how you hit the ground running after the summer break. You know, obviously disappointing that you got so close and played almost the perfect season last year. What was the mood like when you first came back? Because you've been absolutely incredible as a team since the start of the season. Well, it's obviously easy to say, but I think we were all in high because of the Champions League winning it. But, you know, if we never had that, it might have been tougher, you know, going so close in the Premier League and turning in week in and week out and just seeing Man City not dropping any points and then getting beat by a point. But luckily we had, you know, the biggest fine of our lives coming up and we managed to win a trophy. So I think everyone just bounced back into Melwood, really, and just wanted the season to get started because... The Champions League is massive, but we know how big the Premier League is to the fans in here and the fans around the world. So um, that's one that we want to produce. And we're still a long way off, but um, we're heading in the right direction. It was a pivotal moment in the first half at nil-nil. What was your view of the Trent Alexander-Arnold potential handball? Was it a heart-in-the-mouth moment? I honestly never seen that. I heard mm. I, I seen Bernardo Silva and Aguero um, shouting for it, but... You know, you just never know with VR. I never celebrated Fabinho's goal because, you know, I, I just expect every goal to be checked and things like that. So I ended up just going over and getting a drink of water. And, you know, it's, um, you know, that's only the downfall. Well, there's a lot of downfalls with VR just now, but the biggest one is you can't, you know, back in the day you could just celebrate a goal and you knew it was a goal. But now we wait for checks and stuff and I wait to see it back. But I think Trent, you know, I just done an interview with him and he said it hit his hand, but I think it might be hit Bernardo Silva's first or something like that. So. That was our view on it, and then, um, you know, luckily we, we were just glad that the goal got given. Um, obviously, the way you play together, very rarely do you see fullbacks switching the ball to each other. I saw you two celebrating after the cross, your lovely cross in for the second goal. That's something clearly you're working on as a team. Is it, is it particularly against Manchester City, or do you always see that if you can execute that crossfield pass, you leave that side open to attack? Well, I think especially, um, you know, Trent, I think his range of passing has been highlighted by probably everyone around the world and, you know, he can hit the 60-yard diag and he can hit the, you know, the crosses in the box. So, you know, his vision's incredible and, you know, his left foot, I certainly wouldn't have been trying that on my right, but, um, <laughs> you know, luckily he, he found me and I just thought if I could get a good touch, then I knew Bobby and Mo would be sprinting in and luckily I managed to find my man and um, 2-0. But, yeah, Trent ran to me straight away and it is something we work on because, you know, sometimes we get left alone in their space and, you know, if you miss out the whole field and it takes them a wee bit of while to get over the other side and we believe that we've got the speed to, to capitalise before they can get set. Andrew, great journey for you here at Liverpool. We remember you closing down against Manchester City when you ran all the way from this corner all the way over there to the opposite <laughs> corner. That was the moment, I think, that the cop and everyone here accepted you into their hearts. Congratulations on a great performance today. Thank you very much. Enjoy the international break and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you very much. Andrew Thank Robertson, you. Rebecca, back much. to you. Pep, obviously not what you were looking for today. How much did that first goal and the circumstances around it dictate what happened today. What happened today, we show why we are the champion. In this stadium, played the way we played. It was incredible. So I'm so proud of my team more than ever. So making incredible performance in this stadium, the strongest team in Europe, and the way we played. So I'm so proud, so proud. We played so good. What about that first goal and the penalty not being awarded? Will be not so nice after the feed complaint to the referees. So. As to the referees.
But you made it clear you thought it should have been a penalty. As to the referees, please don't ask to me. Pep, I know it's part of your job as the coach, so how disappointed were you that it wasn't given? You've seen it back. In your mind, a definite penalty? As to Mike Riley and the guys that are in the VAR and the other one, don't ask to me. So I, we tried to do our job. I would like to talk about our performance. It was so good. So I know the teams when come here and the way they play for respect from Anfield and from the and the opening with the problems that we have in the squad and the way we play it was awesome. So one of the best performance we have played. We play in the way the reason why we are back to back champion. That is the point. If at the end it's still seven months and Liverpool win, I will be the first to congratulate them because we cannot deny how good they are. But the way they play, they create the chances and this personality to play all the time. So, yeah, it was good. But at the end, the boxes, uh, it was quite similar like uh, in Champions League for the finals. No? Three shoots and target, the first three goals. So the first two was two goals, so it's not easy. But a part of that, we continue and, and we did it. We will return to that Pep Guardiola interview, but Bernardo Silva is at our pitch side desk with Graham Anala. Rebecca, he is. Bernardo, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this close to the end of a game, which obviously ended in frustrating fashion for Manchester City. We've just heard from the manager there, Pep Guardiola. What has he said to you in the dressing room? Well, he said he was, he was proud of us, even though we, we lost tonight. Uh, I think we played overall a good game. Uh, it was quite unfair at the end, because we started better the game. That first goal was quite strange. And we were playing most of the time in their half of the beach. Uh, and first counter-attack, first goal. But yeah, we know how it works here in, in, at Hamfield. You give an inch to Liverpool and, and they're so good up front mm. that they, they score goals uh, for, for, for this. Uh, and yeah, of, of course we're disappointed. Now we're nine points behind. But it's still November. Not, we're not in the ideal position, of course, because we're fourth in the league, nine points behind Liverpool. But we're going to fight until the end. And the, the pivotal moment that you were talking about before was the, the Trent Alexander-Arnold potential handball. Now, you were involved in the, in, the, in the play that led to the handball. It may even have come off your arm at some stage. But what was your view of it? And is there frustration in there that that penalty wasn't awarded? Haven't watched it, and I don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that answers the question. There you right? go. Very diplomatic. Um, in terms of your game plan, we were speculating before about how you would approach this game. Obviously, you've got a couple of key players that are out at the moment, including the goalkeeper, Fernandinho, playing as a centre-back. But the way you started the match, particularly down your side of the pitch, you were very positive, looked like you wanted to get into the faces of Liverpool. Was that the plan from the start, was to, was to attack them? Not only against Liverpool. We always play to win, we always play to attack, to create chances, to play an offensive football. And I think that's what we try to do tonight. Uh, I think, as I said, we started better the game. Uh, and it was quite unfair to concede that first goal. But yeah, it's, if it's football, it's how it is. We played against a great side as well. And congratulations to them. What, why, I should say, is it so difficult to come to Anfield? What makes it such a difficult place to get a result? First of all, because you're playing against one of the best teams in the world. So if you play at Anfield, if you play at the Bernabeu, at the Camp Nou, uh, you're always playing not only in a good atmosphere but also against one of the best sides in the world. So yeah, it's it's difficult the same way it's difficult for them to come to the Etihad. Uh, then other things, uh, other things that 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 sometimes unbalance a little bit the game. But yeah, that's football. 
Okay, well, Bernardo, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Well played. Lovely finish for the goal, by the way. I suppose it doesn't mean as much in a defeat, but you're still well and truly in the top four and in the title race. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Let's, at this point, rejoin the interview that was in progress with the City boss, Pep Guardiola. Is that why you lost then, you think, because you didn't take your chances today? That's part of the game, so... No, the reason why you lost? No, we lost because they scored three goals and we scored one. So, but there are many, many things about one team, when the, the play and, and, and how we have to grow when play away in a bigger stage just like, like today. It was quite similar in the quarterfinal. So, the way we played there, when the first shoot, except the last 10, 15 minutes, the first half, we played so good the first 30 with 3-0 down and the second half good. And it was an incredible situation in that game too that takes sometimes influence in, in the result. But the performance was so good, so good. Even at 2-0 down, did you feel you were actually in control of the game? No, we had the feeling we tried. So Always we talk about that. Be positive and never give up. So That's why we won a back-to-back -back in this league. So many difficult, no? After 11 years, can do it anyone. And we want to fight. We want to fight until the end. So, but we draw points for our faults and for other that we cannot control it. I remember Tottenham, and so it's it's what it is. So, but important to grow as a team, as a club, as an organization, as a and everyone is go here, go in Europe. When we are going, we are able to qualify for the next round and going there and playing that way. So we go home and which regret we can have when we do absolutely everything when we have done. I think it was an honor for both teams show. Premier League for a spectacle for this kind of game. For all Europe watch this game and, and see the English football in these two teams, they want to attack, two teams want to create chances. That I think the best advertising that we can offer. I think that's why, on behalf of myself, hopefully Jurgen can think the same. So it was good for, for the Premier League. Tactically, you decided for Angelino ahead of Mendy. What was the thinking there? Mendy was uh, the day after we could not train after the game. Mendy was two years uh, injured. And when we play one game, we have a little bit more time to recover. And, and Angelino is a smart player with a lot of quality. He was so attention. And uh, yeah, he played a good game, a really good game. Of course, you're fourth now and you're nine points behind Liverpool. Is it now all about the reaction and showing why you are champions? No, we've shown many times. So we have three teams, uh, they have three teams in front that they have more chances to be champion than us. but. So we're going to try. So in football, you never always can win. So but the way you do, you know. So here in Anfield, so it's so nice. I'm so proud to see my team play in this stadium against that team playing in, in that way. Do you think you can claw back that gap? I don't know. I'm not a magician to know the, you know, to know the future. So now it's now national team. Hopefully they come back. The people who's injured come back and. And Chelsea at home, so we're going to try to beat them. If done, next one. As well as congratulating the, the Liverpool players at the end, you went across and said thank you very much to the referees. It didn't look as though you meant it at all. Was that sarcastic? No way. I congratulate them. Thanks for so polite. I see. Thanks for talking Maybe to us. Didn't say anything here. <laughs> we no. saw. Mm, not sure. We'll have another look. In a moment, uh, the reaction to the referees. We'll have a look at that. In fact, we'll have a look at Pep's general animated um, demeanour in a moment. 
He said a lot there, Robbie. He talked about his pride in the performance and he talked about that's why we're champions. We showed why we're champions, but they lost 3-1. So just explain to me the thought process behind what he was saying there. Well, I think there's multiple examples of Pep with his uh, post-game interviews that doesn't actually say w what it is. He's not telling the whole truth. He's not saying how he feels. He would love to have a go at the referee, the officials for that first, but he wants the ability to go back and say, we don't moan about referees, which, to be fair, he doesn't, mostly. But, as we saw on the field of play, and can we get a look, a look yeah, at his reaction, look to, at that to, reaction on the sideline? Side that's okay. really what's going this on. This is after the here. second right. handball. So this is what he's feeling. And he can suppress it in the interview all he likes. This here. But, but inside this guy's head, it, it's sarcastic, it's aggressive. He feels really badly done by. But he wants to be able to go back and say, listen, we're not ones to moan about refereeing decisions. Kyle, your thoughts on Pep Guardiola? Of course it's sarcastic. And saying that it isn't is insulting to the intelligence of everyone that knows it's sarcastic. And it's okay that it's sarcastic. We, 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 you know, it's, it's a bit childish and it's a bit beneath him, but he can do this sometimes because he, he is so wrapped up in his own world of pursuing something close to perfect. And, and it's a pursuit that kind of, you know, as much as we enjoy Manchester City and as much as, honestly, the first time they won the title, I said it and no one wanted to accept it, that they're the best team that we've ever seen in the Premier League and how dominant they are, the way they play. And I think it's the fact that he, he almost kind of feels like he still hasn't proved it. And, and, and that first season, he got so much criticism for playing the way he wants to play. And now it looks like it, it might fall short again. And it's just like, I, I, I think he's just frustrated at he's so close to winning three titles in a row in England, the way he plays. And most people said he'd never win one title. So I just think he kind of sees it slipping away a little bit. The injuries, the bad luck, the Champions League knockout that I think still mm. stings with that call. He, he, he just... He's, he's, he's act, he was acting kind of childish, and I don't know. I kind of, you know, they were good today. I mean, he's he saying he's proud of they were They were really good at times today. We shouldn't let that decision cloud what happened in that game. Mm -hmm. Marginal, Hamble, marginal. If the referee points a spot, we're not saying that's a clear error, right? Mm -hmm. But they went down the other end and scored a goal against his team. They then scored another goal and then scored yeah. another goal. That, that incident was in the fifth, I think the goal went in the sixth mm -hmm. minute. That's a long time to come Liverpool, back and show us your champions. Liverpool so don't, let's, not, let's not say that the decision was the be-all and end-all no. because they went down the other end and scored a goal. And I just think some people might go down that road. Just quickly, Robbie, if you're one of the Manchester City players and you watched that interview, it's only November, it's only nine points, it's only three games different. Are you reacting to that interview and to your manager and thinking he believes that they're still in it? I'm, I'm not reacting thinking that he's given up. I think they'll realise he's got fire on his belly. Yeah. He's controlling himself right there. It'll be, it'll be firing into those players the next day of training that we can still believe we can do it because they're a great team, because they are a great team. But, uh, you know, him not being totally genuine and, and holding on to his emotions, if I'm a player, I don't mind that. I don't want my manager going crazy, you know, with we're, a post-game reaction. We've also, we've also seen more condescending uh, interviews from him. And, and don't forget, when he was at, at um, Barcelona... You know, he had that kind of rant where he criticized Jose Mourinho and the other the other manager, and it was kind of childish. And his team loved it; they loved him finally stepping up. And so, listen, he's got a lot of you know. There are players that in the past don't don't like don't like Pep and have bad things to say. You know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic or yeah. Samuel Eto'o or others. A lot of those players have enjoyed so much what he's trying to get out of them, and I do think he's proud of them because they tried to go to Anfield and play the way they want to play. And today they fell short to a really good Liverpool side. So, so just if you can, in a quick nutshell. 
What happened in the summer which allowed these teams to switch places? Well, I mean, today, you know, David Silva's on the bench and probably not fit at all because he doesn't come into this game. Sergio Aguero going out and not having his center backs. I mean, that was not his Manchester City side. It was a good Manchester City side. Liverpool are better than they were last year. I mean, Fabinho is now fully solidified in that role. Alexander-Arnold is better than he was before in covering an entire flank. Jordan Henderson not only can get forward now, he covered that flank for Salah so he could stay up. They just inched a tiny bit forward from being incredible last year. Man City didn't buy another centre-back, Rebecca. That's where I think things changed. Okay. company left the football club yeah. and the other players came in and he, he trusted what he already had in defence. We'll carry on that conversation, but as you can see, Jurgen Klopp is approaching the chaps at the pitch side desk. He has his microphone. This is a manager who doesn't hide his emotions. Let's take you down <laughs> to Graham and to Arlo. Is it called? Jürgen, we are live. Your, your timing is impeccable. Um, we give him his own microphone now. He just pulls it out of his pocket. Takes it home with him. <laughs> I have that always with him. <laughs> Pep Guardiola um, has said in his post-match interview that he's proud of his team and they played like champions. Therefore, how proud of you of your team? Oh, very, very. But I can, Im I can imagine. Um, and I, I believe that Pep feels exactly like that because it was like this. Um, it was a very intense game. It was very wild. In a moment when City get a bit of control because we were tired and they had the, they scored the goal. It was pretty much the, the, they had chances, of course, but not the chances they usually have. They had them after they scored the goal. Um, then you saw how when they can control the game, then it's difficult. Eh? Then it's really difficult. So we have to we had to make it wild. We had to make it intense. And on that level. We are not bad, and um, that's how we score the goals. Incredible goals, uh, incredible goals. Yeah, and we forced it actually, and I'm really pleased with that. That, that second goal, the switch from Trent to Andy. We were commentating. I've watched a lot of football. I've played a lot of football. Not very often do you see fullbacks switching the pass to each other. Is that a tactic because it opens up the other side of the pitch? Because yeah. it's a brave decision. No, to you make, know, yeah, yeah, of course. You know that switching is anyway a tactic, a tactic pattern, and. Um, so usually you need a few passes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, with trends, pass you don't need too many. We spoke before the game, of course, about it. City is a very, very good side and they defend the ball really good. So that means that they work, work against the ball with the whole formation means you have to move. So where's the space? The space is in behind, the space is on the other side. So you have to switch and then we wanted to accelerate. So I think two, three steps mm. from Robo and then an incredible pass, cross, whatever, however you want to name it. And, and, and Super finish there. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Well, speaking of Andrew Robertson, we just had a chat with him and he said something very interesting. I'm not about to talk about VAR, but he said he didn't even celebrate the Fabinho goal because he thought that something was going to happen with VAR. Now, so, obviously, it happened so after did the, I. the potential handball. Do you have sympathy for City and for Pep? Did, did, did you, was your heart in your I, mouth? I, 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 a lot of sympathy and, and, and sympathy and, and respect for, for them. I, but I didn't see the situation back. The only thing what people told me now, and I hope it's right, because it would be nice if they give me the right information, mm. <laughs> um, that it was first Bernardo Silva's hand and then Trent's hand. So somebody has to judge these things. So what is now offensive, if he would have scored with that hand there, mm. it would have been disallowed. So that's yeah. how it is meanwhile. So I don't know exactly about the situation. I have to look it back. If it would be the other way around, would I be... Frustrated, annoyed about it 100%. Um, in the end, it was not whistled. And what we did then in the situation, how we played then in the situation, that's very positive. And that's, of course, what, I, what I'm concerned about. So 
But it's right, Rob is right. I didn't celebrate it as well. So it was just like I saw, okay, they are both discussing there. Let's have a look what, what happens. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a problem. It's not too nice. Usually you would celebrate a goal like when Fabinho doesn't score too often, you would celebrate it. it it's slightly <laughs> different. But um, yeah, we have to, enough time to enjoy that. Yeah. Well, thank That's you for your honesty. Oh, welcome. Yes, we haven't got you for very long today. You've got a long <laughs> line of international broadcasters thought, today. It's thought, good that you've got the snoot on today. I, I thought I was banned because of a couple of words no, I said. You're yeah, welcome. In public. You're welcome yeah. anytime. <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks very much Thank indeed. Welcome. Uh, see you. Rebecca will send it back to you from Anfield. <laughs> That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.